All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. Tuned into the spoken spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCP in studios with my guys. Oh, wait a second. I don't have my guys here tonight. It's a solo act. Actually, you know, I take that back. It's not a solo act. I have the lady, the president, if you will, our producer, the lady that actually does all our hard work. Well, I just come in here and I jab my jaws for you know two or three hours at a time. My lady, Miss Gats, here tonight with me. Uh, Going to hold the house down as Trevor and Eddie recoup and get ready for next week. But in the meantime, Gat, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I love hearing it. I love hearing it. we got a fun show for you guys. If you saw the pre-video, I had a lot of things that I wanted to get off my chest really quick and let you guys know. It's across the board tonight, man. we got a lot of NBA talk for you guys. We're going to obviously touch on the Travis Kelsey news this week with the NFL side of things. And we have our guy, Reese Holiday, that's going to be in here in the second segment. I'm really excited to pick his brain, man. I, I've been really looking forward to this all week long to get his thoughts on what's going on in the current NBA bubble structure, what, I, what he sees in the playoffs, how he sees the playoffs playing out, what he's seen so far from certain individual players. Like I said, guys, we got a lot to unpack with our guy, Reese, so please stay tuned. But in the meantime, i got some thoughts I need to get off my chest real quick. As you call them, Lance Rants, each and every single week. Well, the NBA bubble has been nothing short of amazing, and in fact, you can make a legitimate case that it has played out better than anyone could have anticipated to this point. Zero positive COVID tests, the players' snitch line has been dry, and the quality of competition has been nothing short of top tier. I could go on and on about how great of the job the NBA has done over the last month as they've adjusted damn near seamlessly and in time and place when any and everything around the bubble has been any and everything but ideal. But I'm here to tell you tonight that in one particular way, the bubble has absolutely failed. The NBA is a star-driven league. And even though LeBron is still very much the face of the league and is to me still the best player, he is drawing closer, we think, to his inevitable swan song, The End. Therefore, the importance of young superstars to eventually succeed him are at the utmost importance at this time. So it should be no mystery to anyone as to why the bubble was constructed perfectly and conveniently for the New Orleans Pelicans to have a legitimate opportunity to get into the playoff picture, and it's for one reason, or rather, one player, Zion Williamson. As the bubble was drawing closer and closer to its tip-off, if you will, we were seeing and hearing reports that Zion was in peak shape, that he physically looked better than he ever has before. The anticipation, at least for me, was immense. Then abruptly, Zion leaves the bubble right before the first game. 13 days later, we see Zion, well, at least a form of Zion, and it wasn't the Zion we had all immensely anticipated and seen. And as the Pelicans hobbled alongside the apparent hobbled Zion, we could see how this team was not only a ways away from being taken seriously as a serious contender, but how Zion is still a ways away from being taken seriously as a serious superstar. And look, I am a fan of Zion's. I think he has rare physical talent, and when he's healthy, he is must-watch TV. 
However, I have to be honest and give you what my eyes are telling me. And that's that Zion simply isn't ready to be the guy. And a concern is growing in me that he may never be. We've had doctors recently come out and state that they noticed glaring differences from college Zion to pro Zion, and they're not progressive differences. Yes, he is an absolute specimen, but when his body breaking down at 20, how are we to confidently assume that he'll be physically ready and able at 30? Now, we all have seen most of the superstars and a plethora of star players still very much carry the load, and we embark upon an unprecedented playoff run. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that it's extremely disappointing that we don't get to see Zion in a series against a worthy opponent. And that is where the bubble has failed. It was an orchestrated, it was an orchestrated design for Zion alone. Literally for Zion. And now we move without Zion. And I will gladly take the alternative of not having Zion and still maintaining a healthy league playing games, but we'd all be liars if we didn't smirk with thinking of what could have been. And I can only hope that the phrase, what could have been, doesn't define Zion's career. And speaking of the bubble, boy, have we been talking, boy, have people been talking, they've been talking that shit, and primarily at the Lakers. Look, I get it. I get it, guys. The Lakers have not played great or even good basketball any level of consistency since the eight seeding games began. But I have done something that I do often in regards of, in, in many regards in life, and sat back and just enjoyed the ride. The comments, the hate, the vitriol, the troll jobs, all of it has as the Lakers yawn through these games. And I say yawned intentionally because that's literally what they as a collective have done. Because as we've stated. Before, on many other shows, the Lakers had literally nothing to play for during this run. And it's no mystery that an older, unmotivated team would look this flat in games that don't mean a thing to them. But what I have found most interesting about all the chatter going around is the blatant ignorance towards the struggles of other teams that are contending for titles like the Clippers and Bucks. Forget about them, huh? Like, we've had them, we've, like, when they've had their own struggles, we're just going to overlook them. So what I decided to do was a little research. I wanted to, wanted to see the best records during the bubble seeding games to see which teams have been playing the best, and would you look at that? I found something. Here are the five teams that had the five best records in this eight seeding games. The Suns, the Raptors, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Pacers. It's crazy, right? Because none of those teams listed above were in any way considered a great team or a contender outside of maybe the Raptors before the pandemic. And most of them even wrote off the Raptors beforehand after Kawhi left. And besides the Raptors and Pacers, none of the other teams are current playoff teams. So it's almost as if, and stay with me here, the teams that played the best played the best because they had something to play for. Then we gander at the few of the teams that ended at 500 or below in these seeding games. Say the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Bucks, the Lakers. All of these teams were not only playoff locks, but three of the five were deemed as legitimate finals teams. So it's almost as if, and stay with me here again, the teams that played the most average played so average because they had nothing to play for. This isn't difficult, kids. Math works. 
Math helps. The writing is on the wall. The teams that took the bubble seriously had to, and the teams that didn't, didn't have to. There is no excuse as to why the Clippers had players in and out of the bubble. There's no excuse as to why the Lakers couldn't hit a three for damn near three games. And this isn't. This absolutely is no excuse as to why Giannis went Zinedine Zidane on Mo Wagner and reset his teeth with a headbutt. What this is is context. It explains why these games went the way that they did. It helps those that aren't wanting to read too far into the win-loss column to not read too far into the win-loss column and see the big picture. And that's my challenge to you. Do math. Read the writing on the wall. Don't overthink this. The playoffs are here. You'll see it for yourself. Just don't be late to the party. And I'm going to leave it right there because we got more NBA to talk, guys. And I have my guy Reese Holiday here. So we're going to take a quick break. Cannot wait to get his thoughts, his opinions. I'm sure he's going to push back on some ideas because I know when we talk off air, we definitely push back on some things. So I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get back to that after this. You are listening to Kansas City Podcast Network. Talent-driven, FCC-free. Check out our show lineup, videos, events, and more over at kcpn.org. The voices of Kansas City, unfiltered. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios. Me and Gat taking care of business tonight as uh, Trevor and Eddie take a little bye week, if you will. But I'm so glad, I'm so honored to have my guy. Uh, I've been talking to him for the last few weeks, actually, about getting him on the show, and we finally made it work this week, and it's perfect timing because the NBA playoffs, the, the seeding games are pretty much over, I would say, at this time. I think there's a couple, maybe one more game going on tonight as we're doing the live stream, but uh, but th- it's over. Now, now we know pretty much where the playoffs stand, what, what the seeds are, who's in, who's out, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about this, guys. I wish the whole crew was here, but it, it's good to have a little one-on-one conversation with my guy, Reese. Reese, how are we doing tonight, man? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're here, man. I'm glad you're here. Now, before we get started, uh, tell the people a little bit about what you do, uh, the Elite Media. Uh, I know you guys have been ex- extremely active uh, at all levels of basketball, not just the NBA level. You guys I mean, are high school players. You guys are, are, are bringing these guys out there, getting the focus on them before anybody else really knows who these guys are. But I don't want to. I don't want to talk about. It. I want to hear from you, man. What is what is the elite media all about, man? So pretty much, it's crazy how it started, right? Um, started as a group chat on Twitter. Um, a bunch of different guys from different walks of life. We have guys who have been in media, sports media. Um, we have guys that are in tech, um, basketball guys who are coaches, evaluators. You know. Um, actual players, we got college football players in there, um, NBA players, you know, just a bunch of a bunch of different a bunch of different aspects, a bunch of different diverse group of people, you know. Um, and so it's probably been going for like the last year or so, maybe a year and a half. And then we we just got to talking and thinking like, and we can really make something out of this, you know. We got a bunch of people with a lot of influence, 
social media following, everything like that. So we just decided to come together and try to create a platform for young African-Americans to, you know, get get our information out, get our ideas out, get our opinions out, you know, because there, there's not, to my knowledge, there's not one of those out there right now. So that's something we're trying to, we're trying to trailblaze that. Um, we just got our, our actual page started maybe a month, month and a half ago um, at the Elite Media on Twitter. Um, but I mean, everything's been going pretty good, man. I, I feel like we've gotten a, we've gotten a lot of love and uh, support so far. Um, like you said, we're covering NBA, we cover baseball, high school basketball. Um, we try to cover everything that we can, you know, from all all different angles. So that's pretty much just a, a quick breakdown. Of, I got to be honest, man. I, I love what I see from you guys. Yeah. I, I love I love following you guys on Twitter. It's been nothing short of amazing. A lot of times, I feel like a lot of um, content providers, if you will, they, they kind of draw a plateau and they kind of get mm-hmm. conv- com- comfortable with where they're at. Exactly. Uh, you guys don't seem to be at that place at all. Uh, you guys keep me guessing and that always keeps my interest. Yeah. So that's, that's it's great to see. And I love what you guys are doing. That's honestly why I really wanted you to come out here and, and, and speak on, on your company's behalf. Because yeah. I think you guys have what it takes to absolutely elevate and from the looks of it, you guys already have some incredible backing. So uh, let's talk some NBA, man. I, I'd really like to get your thoughts because you and I, have, we've had our chats before. Yeah. And now we, yeah. we need to get this on record, man. We need yeah. to get some stuff. So we need to get some receipts. I'm you know here what I mean? for it. Uh, first and foremost, man, thanks again for being here. Uh, I, I want to talk about the bubble as a whole real quick. I want to get your general thought about it. How, how do you think it's gone? Is there anything that you think they've done wrong or they could have done better if, if you were to run the bubble? And, and how do you think this thing has gone? Because obviously it's been successful. There's been no COVID tests, yeah. test positive. But outside of that, I mean, I think there's been some frustration from certain players, certain individual veteran players. Uh, like LeBron spoke out a little bit about some mm-hmm. frustration, but he's been very vague about it. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the bubble as a whole? Um, I mean, honestly, originally when the NBA first started coming back, talking about that they were going to do this, I didn't think it was a good idea just because of, the state that the country was in, everything that was going on, um, the pushback that we're getting from the players with the Black Lives Matter and some players not wanting to be away from their families, everything like that. So, I mean, excuse me, prior to this, I, I just didn't I didn't think it was a good idea personally. But, I mean, since it's going on, um, the NBA is one of, it's probably the most progressive league in the, in, in, in the world. You know, Adam Silver does a great job. Um, like you said, they haven't had any COVID tests, any positive COVID tests, mm-hmm. which is – I think that's amazing. It is because honestly, I think people in that bubble, they getting in, people getting in that bubble too, you know. But they're doing, they're 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 controlling it to an extent to where they're it's not creating a problem. So, I mean, it's kind of weird, you know, watching when they had the uh, when they were having the scrimmages before the actual game started. I was like, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't know. It was it was it was a weird experience. Uh, no fans. Uh, they got the big screen in the back with everybody watching virtually or whatever like that. Um, but I mean, I think they've done a great job, and I think I think it's going to create a different type of atmosphere that we've never seen in the NBA before. You know, like everyone's saying, like these whoever wins this year is going to be a tainted ring or an asterisk. Or I think I think it's great. You know, you're just down there to hoop, no distractions, nothing else. You know, I mean, they they did say they're going to start. Letting people in, uh, what is it, next week or next week, something yeah. like that? Yep. Yeah, they're going to start letting people in. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I don't understand why they would change anything since it's been going so well right now, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, we just got to trust them and that everything will continue to go smooth. I love Monty Williams and, and what he's done with this young Suns team, mm-hmm. and, and it's a damn shame that we don't get to see them in the playoffs. 
Um, are you buying that this young and up and coming team is a young and up and coming team, or is just a is this just a bubble mirage? I think the Suns started off this year pretty good. You know, they were in the playoff hunt early. Um, they started falling back a little as the season went on. But I'm a big, big, big Devin Booker and DeAndre Absolutely. Ayton guy. You know, I think those two are, are are special. One of the one two of the better players under the age of 25. I want to say. Um, but I think they have a chance to do something. No, Kelly Oubre wasn't even down there playing with him. And he's had a, a breakout year. He's revived his career down over in Phoenix. So I think I think they have something to build on. And I was watching yesterday, and DeAndre Aiden was on the bench saying, he said, we came down here, we proved the point. You know, we came down here and did what we were supposed to do. Watch out next year. Next year we'll be, we'll be here. We'll be in the playoffs. So I think they have, a, they have a great morale right now. They have something to build off of which is going to be special. And I mean, Devin Booker is a, is a top 15 to 20 guy in the league. And when you've got that type of talent paired with DeAndre Aiden, who's one of the better, he, he's probably a top five to seven center in the league, you know. I think they have a lot to work with, you know. And I, what I think they need, I think they need a guard. Rubio's, he's okay, you know. But I think I think a, a slightly higher quality point guard would, would be something that takes them over. Now, you, you obviously heard my... Uh, initial concerns tonight about Zion Williamson, yeah, um, and how I feel like the NBA bubble failed just because they didn't get him in, you know, mm-hmm. as much as they tried. And and my concerns is just on the physical side of things. I think he's got what it takes upstairs. I think obviously he's got the physical capabilities, but can he withstand gravity? Can he withstand mm-hmm. his own weight issues? Are you as concerned as I am, or do you, do you think he's going to bounce back? I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I don't want to be negative because Zion is a type of talent that we probably have never seen before. But, I mean, the the, the human body just isn't meant to do some of the things that he's able to do. We saw it with Derrick Rose. He has so much torque and athleticism and just so fast, and his body ended up eventually breaking down. So hopefully Zion can even get to that point. It feels like we haven't seen Zion healthy since early on at Duke. You know, since then he struggled um, with weight. With um, his body, everything like that, I'm not. I, I'm not sure. I hope he does, you know, because I feel like the league is trying to make him one of the faces of it. They're trying to. They're trying to push him into that spotlight, even even if he may not be ready yet, uh, which I think people are seeing now. I know he had once he came back from his injury uh, mid season and was playing really well. It's like twenty, like a streak of twenty point games in a row for a rookie was almost set the record or did set the record. I can't remember which one. But, I mean, it's scary, man. He's, he, it's a big dude. It's a big dude who jumps a lot, and every time he's coming down, every time he hits that ground, he's putting a lot of force on those knees, you yeah. know? So, I mean, it's scary, but we'll see how it works out. I, I, me, personally, I'm not sure. He's going to have to shed some weight, but I'm not even sure if his body's capable of that. Right. You know, some people are just built a certain way. So Can, can you explain to me the 76ers? And what they are, what they're going to be, because I have no idea, Reese. I, I, I'm trying to be optimistic because I have a love for Joel Embiid. I love the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Ben Simmons has supreme talent outside of shooting. But I, I don't understand where they're going. I can't imagine Matt Brown's going to be back next year. Where do they go from there as, as, as far as head coach? Are they going to split up the pair? I mean, where what is this franchise? I have no idea. We talked about this process for years. It's processed, and it ain't anything, man. Yeah. That microwave burned that shit. So yeah. <laughs> you, you're going to have to explain this one to me, man, as, a, as an intellectual, because I can't get it. It's crazy as the Sixers <laughs> were my pick coming out the East before the season started. Um, I think Ben Simmons is amazing on both sides of the basketball. All, def- all He's going to be a first-team, all-defensive guy. 
Um, offensively, yes, he can't shoot, but for him to be able to still be as dominant as he is without a jump shot, I think speaks to how talented he is and how skilled and how high of an IQ he has. Um, Embiid, he, he has to figure out if he wants to be great or not. That's the thing with him. Um, and they're both just always, Ben wasn't always hurt, but Ben's been hurt a lot this year. And with him going out, uh, last week, I mean, that was, that was, that hurt me. That hurt me. Cause like I said, the Sixers were my pick. I think what you have to do though, I think Brett Brown has to go first. I think you don't split, you don't split those two guys up. They made a great move moving Ben to the four. Once they got down in the bubble, they said they're going to, they're going to bring in shake, have shake runner one, move Ben to the four, which I think was an amazing move. Um, but when you got two guys like that, man, you can't just break them up. You know, you can't break, not this early in their careers. You know, this is what the third year them actually playing together. You know, um, I wouldn't. Brett Brown leaving would getting rid of Brett Brown would be my first move, and then maybe take a find a new guy, um, give him a couple years to see. And they also have to build the team the right way. Paying Al Horford one hundred fifty million dollars for four years, you know, for him to essentially come off the bench. Now, right. It's, it's not. It's not a good front office move. And I like Elton Brand. I think he's done a he's done a, a a good job. But they have to put pieces around that team to highlight what Ben and MB do. You know, everyone's saying that they can't play together and everything like that. But I think part of it is because of the pieces around them. You know, so like Josh Richardson, he hasn't he hasn't performed up to up to what we thought he was going to be. I think Matisse Thybul is a great draft pick, but he gives you zero offensively. Doesn't spread the floor. Tobias has been good this year, but he's on. An, he's I think he's another guy who's who's slightly overpaid. You know, um, they got what four max guys on that team: Ben, Embiid, Al, and and uh, Tobias. So moving Brett Brown would be my first thing because that team just has so much, man. Like, and they can be they should be the best defensive team in the league well, easily. A follow up question to that real quick would be if. Brett Brown is to go. I mean, would would you look at a at a Ty, Ty Lu, a, a, a Jason Kidd to to replace him in Philly? Because like you said that team is too too talented to come up with nothing to show for it. You know, th- th- this team, like you said, year three going into year four next year, hopefully healthy. You'd have to get an experienced head coach there that can motivate this young team to get past themselves. I mean, yeah. who, who is there a, a coach in mind that you would say would qualify for that position? I think Ty Lue, I think Ty Lue would be a good pick. Um, can relate with the guys. Can get them to play hard. Um, that's the thing. I, I just don't know if Brett I, I, uh, Brett Brown's end of game decisions have been shaky to me. Um, all the way back to the Celtics series a couple years ago. But I mean, I think Ty Lue might be a good fit for him. Um, we'll see what happens with uh, with um, didn't Alvin Gentry just get fired? They're saying he's going to be. Uh, okay. He hasn't been officially fired yet. Okay. Um, but I. Okay. It's kind of a it's a shaky situation because I think he's deserving another chance because he didn't have his full team and the pandemic hit. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a shitty ordeal for him. They, they better have somebody in place though, ready to go. Because if you're letting go of Alvin Gentry, yeah. you better have somebody who's better. Because yeah. it don't make any sense to let go of a good qualified head coach like Alvin Gentry, who's a man's man and knows this league inside mm-hmm. and out, and just to let him go. Exactly. That, this team, that team is 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 in a place where they could really take off, and you need to have the right leadership. So if Alvin ain't the guy, you better have somebody out there who's better. And that's just my 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 opinion. So, yeah. uh, but moving to another Eastern Conference team, uh, the Raptors have lost a superstar in Kawhi Leonard this last offseason. But one thing they didn't lose was their their step. They didn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. This team is just as good as they were last year in, in many regards. 
Reese, could you see the, the Raptors actually representing the Eastern Conference in the finals this year? Most definitely. I have I have the East going through Toronto. Now, that Ben, that ben is out and Embiid is shaky right now, I have the Raptors as the best team in the East, man. And two big things about the Raptors is their culture. You know, them they, they were always a team in the hunt in the East, even before Kawhi got there with DeMar and Kyle Lowry. They just always ran into LeBron. You know, but they were always a top three seed over there, so they always won games, and their player development is amazing. You know, Norman Powell has blossomed into something we never thought he would be. Fred Van Fleet is going to get paid. Pascal Siakam was most improved last year, and he could be a he could have been a nominee for it again this year. You know, so I think I think that's a that's a great thing. A lot of teams in the league don't have that, but I, I, Toronto's dangerous, man. They play together. They play the right way. Very, very, very well coached. Very yeah. well coached. Oh, yeah. Nick Nurse did an amazing job. Yeah. I, when Dwayne Casey got fired as after winning Coach of the Year, yeah. I thought it was a huge mistake. But Nick Nurse has done an incredible job, and we can't mm-hmm. overlook it. Um, speaking of the Eastern representation and the team that everybody just automatically penciled in these last two years as to who was going to represent the East in the Milwaukee Bucks... You know, I've stated on previous episodes, and I've stated it numerous times on purpose, that the two teams that had the most pressure going into the bubble, by far, were the Lakers and Bucks. For two different reasons, though. Because the Lakers had to get, they have to, their pressure is winning the finals because of the legacy of LeBron James and Anthony Davis trying to put mm-hmm. himself in that upper echelon. But the Bucks have to get to the finals. That's their pressure. They have to get there. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to actually say they've been there. If that doesn't happen this season... In my opinion, Giannis is going to get absolutely roasted this entire offseason. Mm-hmm. My question to you, though, and, and we've seen, again, him, him acting out in frustration, headbutting Mo Wagner, whether it was right or wrong, or just a moment of frustration. That's kind of where I want to lead it to you, though. Do you feel like that pressure is starting to get to Giannis, where he believes, like, I can't get this done, or he's starting to have questions that maybe he can't get it done in Milwaukee? I'll preface this with, I think Giannis is leaving. Um him and Masai Ujiri have a great relationship. Mm, okay. Dating, dating back for a while. So, okay. I mean, that's something to look for. I think he goes wherever Masai is. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm me personally, I'm not a Bucks believer, man. I'm not a Giannis believer. I'm not a Bucks believer. Chris Middleton is pretty good. Chris Middleton is a lot better than I thought he was. He's a lot better than I thought he was. But, I mean, I just, I, 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 I don't see it with them, man. I've seen... We've seen Giannis struggle. I mean, was last year was his first time out of the first round, right? You know, that was his that was his first time out of the out of the first round in the East. Um, and if you take away his if you if if you take away his drives, you know, if you if you make him have to always be a creator, I mean, I I think you can find a way to beat him. Toronto did it last year, you know. Boston did it for a game, a couple games. Um, I just I I I don't I don't see it with them. Chris Middleton is going to have to be out of this world for them to make it to the finals, um, which maybe he's capable of. Maybe he isn't. I'm not. I'm. I'm not totally sure yet. Sure. I just. I. I, I don't see it with the Bucks, though. Me personally, I just don't. Fair enough. The The Clippers have. I want to swing over to the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. The Clippers have essentially taken off this entire season. Let's just call it what it is. They've. They've pretty much coasted through this season. They've coasted mm-hmm. through the bubble. I. I don't think they've really ever questioned who they are in themselves because of Doc Rivers and what he's instilled in this team and being the fact they've been such a deep roster, at least on paper. Yeah. But chemistry and camaraderie matters. Correct. And they don't have that. 
They've only had less than 20 games as a whole this entire season, bubble included, mm -hmm. as a collective. Will their intentional laid-back approach inevitably bite them in the ass in the playoffs? For some reason, everybody thinks the Clippers just have this switch that they can turn on and off. And I think that has to do with Kawhi and his load management. I think it has to do with, like you said, they haven't all played together that many games this year. But from all of my knowledge of basketball, it's not how it works. You know, you just you can't you can't just say, oh, I want to play today. Oh, we're going to take today off. So that's that's something I think will catch up with them. But they're so talented, man. They're so talented. and They have so many guys like you have. They got two dudes off the bench who are both finalists for the Sixth Man of the Year award, and Trez and Lou Will. And Trez hasn't even played in the bubble yet, you know. And Lou Will just—he just started playing. I want to say last week or yep. the week before, maybe. Um, but I think I think it will catch up with him. Doc is a great coach, so so maybe he'll be able to 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 get that about out of his guys when the time comes. But Paul George has to come with it, you know. Paul George is falling short. Every year in the playoffs since that spectacular series against LeBron when he was in Indiana. Um, and with the Thunder, he fell short both times after having all NBA years. This year, I mean, he was he was good for the most part when he actually played. But I think he's the key. Like, he has to be really, really good, which I'm not sure if he's capable of being the guy. And he'll have to be the guy some nights, you know. Not what we we don't know with Kawhi. Kawhi looks he looks a little rusty to me. Looks like it looks like his knees are hurting him. I'm um, not sure exactly what it is, but Paul George has to be there to pick up that slack. Lou Will's gonna do what Lou Will does always. So I don't believe they have a switch they can turn on and off. But they've been but they're so they have so many ways that they can come out come at you defend you. I know everyone everyone is something that they don't have any height. I mean, I love Trez. I love Trez all the way back in Louisville. He played, he's, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, plays like a footer, heart of a lion. So I don't have any issues with him. I don't know what Zubak is going to give you. He'll probably, when it really comes down to it, I don't see him playing a lot of crunch time minutes. So we'll see We'll see how that goes. But, I mean, I think I think the Clippers, will, they'll be right there in the thick of things. Russell Westbrook is reportedly going to miss at least part of the first round uh, yeah. in their matchup against the hot uh, OKC Thunder. Now, I know you're a big-time James Harden guy. We, yeah. There's no mistaking that. Russ, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 But now that we know that it's going to all go on the back of James Harden and having the rest that he's had now with the four-month layoff, the, the the ghosts of seasons past where he wears himself down, James Harden mm -hmm. wears, himself down, wears himself down before the playoffs, and then it shows in the playoffs a lot of times, do you think that James Harden can withstand the potential loss of Russell Westbrook for numerous amounts of games against the Thunder and prevail? I don't think Russ can miss any more than three games. No more, no more than three games. But, I mean, like you said, the weight of the weight on Harden's back is pretty much what it's been since he's been in Houston, you know? It's always you go as far as he takes you, you know? Like, a lot, he gets a lot of – he catches a lot of slack for losing to arguably the greatest team ever, you know? And even then, he he did something with a roster that I don't think is that good. I think he all I think he's always overachieved with that Rockets roster. You know, even looking at him right now, Ben McLemore has revived his career. Daniel House starts basketball games for them. You know, like they got they got rid of Capella, which which it was time for that. But I mean, I think Harden can like 
I think he can get it done. I think he can get it done. I don't want to see what it looks like though if if, <laughs> if Russ misses the whole series. Right. I don't that like I'm afraid of that because then it ends up going maybe seven games. You know because okay, see man, they've been balling all year. Probably the biggest surprise of the season has been what they've done. The success they had with the three guard lineup with Chris Paul, uh, SGA, and and Schroeder. I would never think to be saying, "Oh, Dennis Schroeder is going to be like a killer in the playoffs," you know. But he's going to be a big part of what they do. So, and with the with the small ball thing, I think it can work. I think it can work. And I think another thing that plays to the Rockets' advantage is the actual bubble. There's no home court. There's no fans. It's open gym, essentially. I think that favors Russell Westbrook and James Harden more than anybody else, you know? I think that favors their style of play more than anybody else. Like, you throw James Harden in the open gym, he's going to he's gonna look like God out there, honestly. Yeah. You know? So, I, 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 I was just as big on the Rockets as well going into the bubble. I yeah. thought they are the perfect team for this situation. Mm-hmm. Well, 100% agree with Lance, you. Lance, you know who originated the bubble, right? Who's that? The greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. See, now, <laughs> I, I was I doing my best, to. Dad. I was, I was doing my best to not bring up the last dance special. Okay? Yeah. I'm trying but not to yeah. do that here. You, you have to talk okay? about the fact that this is what you see. This is like guys having fun again playing basketball. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the pressure of fans yelling at you. I mean, because we're talking about the fans being gone, and we want to talk about how it's detrimental what Whatever, but like, think about all the shit that they don't have to deal with yeah, now. Absolutely, because the fans aren't there. The travel side alone. I mean, you're talking about there is no wear and tear of exactly. having to go back and forth. You mm-hmm. know, if, let's say you're facing a West Coast team and you're in the finals and you're Boston, having to go back and forth mm-hmm. to California, back to right. Boston, Boston back to California. None of that's there. They're all centralized. So I'm with you on that, yeah. Gad. That I think that the the energy level. If you watch any of these games. Not only are they playing at high levels of energy, but they're making more shots. Yeah. I mean, look at the Mavericks yeah. Blazers game. Look at the uh, even the Nets last night. Yeah. Making everything. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. It I was thought, amazing. Was like, they had five guys out and they're playing ball like that. Yeah. Should have almost won that game. Karis yeah. Levert left Earth like Oh my god, if he could stay healthy. Now yeah. see, that's actually where I want to segue. We have the playing series between the Grizzlies and Blazers officially set. It's likely that the Blazers advance to the first round and, and face the one seed Lakers. Now, I've been saying for some time now that the Lakers have utilized these eight seeding games to get their legs back under them and after an unprecedented four months you know, of socially distanced layoff because they had nothing to play for the one seed locked up. But the Blazers have ridden the back of Damian Lillard, absolutely mm-hmm. ridden the back of him, who has been unbelievably offensively. Unprecedented basketball he's been playing. Having said that, the Blazers have allowed 124 points per game over the last five games, and those games they had to absolutely win. Mm-hmm. And over the last three, they've been averaging 128 points allowed. They're, they're, they're not stopping anyone. With, and, and without Trevor Ariza, they have no one to throw at LeBron. Absolutely yeah. no one. I, I don't see how they're going to make much of a series out of this. I think Damien's going to get his, but I don't think this is going to be much of a series. What, what are your thoughts on that series, potentially? Uh, I want to start off with saying I think it's BS that the Suns can go down to the bubble and go 8-0 and have no opportunity to play in the playoffs. What did you even bring them down there for right. then? I mean, I'm I'm happy they literally that, did everything they could do. Exactly. <laughs> I'm happy we got to see Devin Booker get the get the shine that he's been deserving of. This it's been beautiful to see to see him break out and flourish like this. But I don't I just it doesn't make any sense to me. And I just found out too that I thought it was just a one game if whoever wins between the Blazers and Grizzlies are in. So the Grizzlies have to beat them twice, yes, right? To that's get in. Correct. Because okay. they're playing nine seed, the Blazers just have to win one game, yeah. and they're in automatically. Yeah. yeah, I got the Blazers winning that game. Um, if it's not the first game, it'll be the second game. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't. The way you beat the Blazers, you make them guard. You make those guys guard, and 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 we've seen we've seen Damian Lillard run out of gas before. It happened last year in the Western Conference. It finals. happened last night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was running out of gas last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. And I and I and and I love Dame. I'm a that's one of my top three favorite players in the NBA. But I mean, and CJ's hurt. He just said he's been playing with what a, a fracture in his back or something like that. Um, I don't I don't see. I mean, Max they can probably go the Max they can probably go six with the Lakers. Yeah. You know, LeBron will LeBron will wake up. He'll wake up. He's looked. I think he's been playing possum. Yeah. I think he's been playing possum. I, Maybe. And he's old. He's old now, man. These guys, I got. I keep saying it. I know I'm repeating myself, but there is validity. You know this. You, Reese, you've been playing basketball forever. Mm-hmm. You have to get your legs back under you. Correct. Like, the Lakers are getting open shots. They're just missing them. Mm-hmm. That sounds like, to me, a team that's trying to get themselves back. Once they get themselves back, they're going to be that 49-14 and 14 team that beat the Clippers and Bucks back-to-back games right before the pandemic hit. Yeah, I really believe that team's coming now. Final question for you: Who's winning the NBA title this year? I got the Rockets. Oh, really? If 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 Russ comes over the Raptors, right? Okay. If, if if Russ comes back healthy, I have the Rockets. A question. Hold on. A question that you asked earlier with the Clippers and their chemistry. The Lakers got a bunch of new guys too. Sure. So why aren't people asking those same questions? They done picked up Jr. Since the since the pandemic hit, they picked up Deion Waiters. You know, Rondo's out, so Caruso's getting more minutes. So I think I think that falls onto them too. Their chemistry thing. They just have maybe the two best players in the world on their team. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I I I think the question is valid. I think that both the Clippers and Lakers need to be equally questioned in that regard. Mm-hmm. The only saving grace for the Lakers, like you just stated, is not only do they have two of the five best players in the world. But both of them aren't the ones in question. We don't know what Kawhi and Paul George are going to bring in the playoffs. We can assume. We know what Kawhi is, bro. I mean, Kawhi is healthy. <laughs> but here's Kawhi. the thing. You, even you stated, though, that you think something's wrong with his knee again. Mm-hmm. He could have injuries again. That thigh always acts up. Yeah. That's my point is there's questions. We know LeBron's going to be LeBron. Mm-hmm. And we know that if Anthony Davis can just access half of his talent, dude's giving you 28 and 12 every night. So my point is with the Clippers as a difference to the Lakers is I feel like because the Clippers have more talent, they should be playing better basketball even with a layoff. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like they did because they had something to play for going into this bubble. And it was for chemistry. Mm-hmm. It was for the camaraderie side of things. And I don't feel like they even took the bubble seriously. That's where I feel like their downfall is going to be. And that's why I feel like they're going to come up short to getting to the finals. And I think the Lakers are going to be the ones that represent the West. But... I had the rock. I told you this a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Rockets, Lakers are going to be the Western Conference Finals, in my opinion. Yeah. Because I think Russ is going to get back, and once he's back, the Rockets are back. The Rockets have to play the Clippers after this. After this round, uh, they play the Mavericks, and they would have to play the Clippers. No, they play the Lakers. Lakers. They would play the Lakers in round two. So we don't get our Western Conference Finals prediction like I wanted it. It's a bad matchup. It's for a the bad Lakers, ma- man. Well, it's going to be a bad matchup for both teams because I think those are going to be 150 scoring nights for both teams. Yeah. Thing. I mean, Anthony Davis is a thing. Me personally, I think Anthony Davis is the best player in the world. I think he's been the best player in the world past two, three years. He's gonna get his. You know, Rockets have multiple guys that they can throw at LeBron. The Lakers have nobody that they can throw at, at Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Nobody. Like you gonna put Deion Waiters out there? This Caruso hype. I don't even know what this is about, but 
He's gonna get fried. Yeah. With on on either one trying to guard either we, one. We might one. have to put a bottle of like Patron on this or something, Reese. You know, we got some action well, on this. Well, it's either that or they're taking over under if Don Julio is gonna show up. <laughs> Uh, at the bubble, yeah. Kendall Jenner, yeah. Kendall Jenner, who's she Jenner might get access if she, if she hasn't been there already. I know. Right? Yeah, yeah. She, I just can't imagine her like going to the bubble. I yeah. feel like it's beneath her. On it's, some level. So I, I just like, know that I'm we're gonna, gonna see a, we're gonna be see a much happier LeBron James when you know the Savannah and the kids get to show up. You know that yeah. whenever that happens, Taco it, Tuesday, you might have a yeah. smile during the presser. I mean, I don't know. We, we, you know, we we might be able to see that. You know, because he hasn't looked happy at all yeah. in the bubble this whole time, but. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, though, man, um, Elite Media is, mm-hmm. is your guys' Twitter to, to have people follow. At yeah. the Elite Media, I think, underscore at the end, right? Yes, sir. You're at TMC Vision. Yes. Okay. Def- guys, give these dudes a follow. I'm telling you, uh, you guys know we're picky with our people that we have on the show because we want people to represent an authentic uh, brand and, and content. And I'm telling you, these guys are seamless with that. Uh, we've talked, Reese and I have talked many times basketball. We've talked, we've talked football. We've talked life. And yeah. this is the kind of guy you want to be following when it comes to all things sports, all things in particular. This is a great dude. They have a great thing going out there. Definitely give them a follow, guys. And uh, this will not be the last time we have my guy on this show because no, we're going to be watching the playoffs not. together. Yeah, and this is going to be a sure. great time for sure. So, for sure. Reese, hey, man, seriously, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're always welcome here, man, at the KCPN studios. And we really, we really appreciate taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here with us, man. So. I appreciate y'all having me. Like you said, at the Elite Media, man, we building something special over there. Y'all pay attention, all right? Absolutely. So, in that, guys, that's our guy, Reese Holiday. We appreciate you so much, man. Yes, sir. Like I said, you're always welcome, your family here. So, in that, we're going to take a quick break because when, when we get back, guys, we're talking a little NFL. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Travis Kelsey. Yes, the contract's great. I think we all assumed that was going to happen. But I'm going to tell you something about his greatness when we get back. We'll get back to that after this. And we're back. It's been a good time, guys. Oh my god, I could talk NBA all night long, with my dude Reese. It, it, that was that was such a fun segment. I could just sit here and listen uh, to him drop his knowledge. I mean, this guy has been uh, a friend and, and a mentor in some ways for me, man. Like he's really taught me a lot of good things, man. And it's been funny because most of the time we talk has been over drinks, so that's one of our few uh, sober conversations that we've had uh, in regards to the world of sports. But our guy in Kansas City, uh, somebody that. You guys all love. I know I personally love. I've been a big fan of his since 2014. Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, a, a player that we've all been talking about. Actually, just a few weeks ago when we had uh, Arrowhead Pride's Ken Swanson on the show, uh, we talked about how I was starting. Yeah, I remember you. I think you remember talking about this too, about how I was, I was starting to wonder what in the hell is going on with Travis Kelsey's future here in Kansas City. Because although I had this confidence that, yeah, of course he's going to be here forever. The fact that he was getting in his 30s, deeper into his 30s, he had two years left on his deal. We see Patrick Holmes, Chris Jones, and other players get, get locked up long-term. I'm sitting here going, you know, Kelsey is such a pivotal character to this team and the future of this team. What is their plan here? And, and Kent, you know, of course said, you know, I think it's going to be taken care of. There's no problems and this and that. But I still have this growing concern as time went on. Well, that went away completely this week as we learned that the Chiefs extended uh, uh, Travis Kelsey to a four-year deal. 
Uh, I believe the guaranteed dollars are around 25, 25 to $28 million. No signing bonus again. I don't know how the Chiefs are pulling this shit off. But they're doing that, and they did it with Chris Jones, and they did that with uh, Travis Kelsey as well. And um, as shocked as I was about it, because I felt like it was such great timing that George Kittle gets his contract, and then like literally an hour later, Travis Kelsey gets his. You know, I'm sitting here just as marveled by it about how we can't put into words what Brett Veach and the Chiefs have done this offseason. I mean, can can you even describe what has happened so far, Gat? I mean, it, I would, I, no. We I go from like... a Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years uh-huh. to an offseason that not only we've never seen in Kansas City, but I don't think we've ever seen in the NFL ever. Like, and this is. I don't know how to put it into words other than I'm just beyond grateful that despite how shitty things have been in our world over the last forever, mm-hmm. we've been able to enjoy the samples of what Veach season has been about this offseason. I mean, it's it's just been incredible. It has, and I don't think it's really sunk in yet. You know, I was busy most of the day yesterday, and so if I was doing stuff, you know, I was very distracted. And so when I saw that, I was just like, wait a second. Are you kidding me? And we, well, when Kent was on, I think he was talking about how he'd like to see Matt Stafford with Travis Kelsey at some point. And <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Big, big fan of Matt Stafford. I don't know if you know this about Kent. Um, and I was like, Kent, that's ridiculous. We're not talking about Matt Stafford. We're talking about our quarterback, Mahomes. Can you please focus? I mean, I don't know how he gets away with talking about Matt Stafford on Airhead Pride all the time, but he does. But, uh, Basically, knowing that we can't be touched at this point is what that is, you know. And, and there's no one in this fucking league that can touch the Chiefs. Uh, they can't touch our GM. Our owners are next to the best people in the world. They've been here this whole time. Uh, you know, Hank Stram was my dad's neighbor growing up, and my dad nice. would go mow his lawn. Like, nice. Things like that. That's how deeply rooted this team is here. And the owners have been there since day one. And I don't think a lot of people see how tightly woven the Chiefs' success is uh, with Kansas City's happiness, and we've deserved this. We've been through hell and back. Like, there's been crazy, crazy things that have happened. Not like, you know, burning down houses, crazy, <laughs> but murder and stuff. Like, what the hell? I mean, we've, second. we've seen everything in this in this world, and it doesn't really seem real that the Chiefs have this. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, in every regard, and um, at the same time, I feel like like you talked about, like this is something that I feel us fans deserve. And we can go down that road mm-hmm. all night long, and we can mm-hmm. just sit here and cry about it and be happy about it and the happy tears. <laughs> we we would, too. We oh, both yeah. would be very emotional, like, this is just beautiful. Look, <laughs> even though this might not be vodka, I can become vodka really quick. We don't need vodka to get emotional. <laughs> it's just us. Well, you know? there's, um, there's going to be a conversation that continues now that we know that, that Kelsey's going to be in Kansas City now for the remainder of his career. Um, and that's... You know, you could talk about the Tony Gonzalez versus Travis Kelsey debate. And even on the way here, uh, Travis Kelsey had his interview with uh, some of the beat writers in Kansas City. And that question came up about his comparisons. And something that Travis talked about was, you know, he understood since he got here why that was a a conversation. Because Tony Gonzalez is so great. Mm -hmm. And he had such a great career in Kansas City in his 11 years here. Um, And it's almost impossible to reach the statistical numbers that Tony did especially when you consider how incredible that is when he had the quarterbacks that he had for the majority of his career in Kansas City. Nevertheless, Travis Kelsey has found his own way to make history here in Kansas City, and NFL history, no less, Mm -hmm. with the four straight 1,000-yard seasons. But I decided to break down the numbers a little bit for everybody tonight because I think we all could agree that Travis Kelsey is on the fast track to the Hall of Fame. I think we all know that he's going to at least put his name out there as one of the greatest tight ends of all time, no matter where that actual ranking becomes. 
But I wanted to break it down a little bit further because I think Travis Kelsey has a real, and I'm talking a real shot, of finishing his career as one of the three greatest tight ends of all time. I'm going to break it down real quick. There are currently 12 tight ends in NFL history with more career receiving yards than Travis Kelsey. All of them have played in at least 13 more games than Kelsey to this point of his career. Now, based on his yards per game average, Kelsey would trail Vernon Davis for 10th all-time by 25 yards at the end of the 2020 season, and Davis would still have played in 86 more games than Kelsey. And when it comes to receptions, Kelsey currently ranks 15th all-time amongst tight ends. And based upon his receptions per game average, Kelsey would rank 9th all-time in receptions, trailing Heath Miller by one reception despite playing in 56 fewer games. And when it comes to touchdowns, Kelsey is a little further down the list for 18th with Jeremy Shockey. But that shouldn't come as a shock seeing Kelsey had spent five of his seven seasons with a quarterback named Alex Smith that averaged 15 touchdown passes per season in his career. But based upon his touchdown per game average, Kelsey would climb all the way to 14th, tied behind Get Off My Lawn and Out of My Country, Mike Gitka, with 43 career touchdowns. And Gitka would have still played in 46 more games in his career at this point. Let's say that Travis Kelsey holds to this average for three more seasons, which is 2020, 2021, and 2022. Based upon these averages, by the end of the 2022 season, Kelsey would rank 5th all-time in yards, 5th all-time in receptions, and ninth all-time in touchdowns. But even this doesn't do him justice because, again, he's only had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback for two seasons. And in those two seasons, Kelsey's career highs in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns all took place. And in his previous four seasons with Alex Smith, Kelsey averaged 77 receptions, 975 yards, and just over five touchdowns per game. And in his two seasons with Patrick Mahomes, he's averaged exactly 100 receptions, which is 23 more per per season, 1,183 yards, and just under eight touchdowns per, per season. To put his touchdown total in context, Kelsey has caught 15 touchdowns since Mahomes took over in 2018. In his first three seasons with Alex Smith, he had a total of 14 touchdowns. Now, if we use his averages in the Mahomes era and project them over the next three seasons, Kelsey would then rank one reception behind Shannon Sharp for fourth all-time, fourth all-time in yards, and tied seventh all-time with touchdowns with Shannon Sharp. I fully expect these numbers to either stay in place or go up over the next couple of seasons for Kelsey. Regardless, Kelsey, to me, is already one of the five greatest tight ends to ever play. But we won't stop there, Gat. I got more. I got more, Gat. You always do. I do. We all know what matters most. The playoffs and how well you play in the playoffs. Well, here are Travis Kelsey's career playoff numbers to this point. Nine games, 52 receptions, 632 yards, six touchdowns. As it stands, Gronk is the greatest tight end to ever play in playoff history. Gronk, in 16 games, has 81 receptions, 1,163 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Incredible numbers. And there's no mystery as to why Gronk's numbers are so insane, given that Gronk spent and will spend his entire career with the most successful and one of the greatest quarterbacks ever in Tom Brady. But despite that fact, Kelsey is creeping on, on Gronk quickly. 
Surprising enough, with Alex Smith in four of his nine playoff games, Kelsey did pretty decent in those playoff games, averaging six receptions, 74 yards, but he averaged less than a touchdown. In fact, Kelsey had one touchdown with Alex Smith in four playoff games. It's not good. No. In his five playoff games with Mahomes, <laughs> Kelsey averages the same amount of receptions with six per game. His yards of receptions actually went down, yet Kelsey has amassed 53% of his career yards with Mahomes, believe it or not, as crazy as that sounds. And speaking of the majority, Kelsey has caught five of his six career touchdowns with Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. And as it currently stands, Kelsey is on pace to have 94 receptions, 1,122 yards, and 12 touchdowns by the time he reaches his 16th playoff start, which would give him 13 more receptions, only 41 fewer yards, and the exact same amount of touchdowns as the greatest playoff tight end in NFL history in Gronkowski. So if you go by regular season numbers, Kelsey is and will be an all-time, arguably top three tight end ever, but when it comes to the most important, the playoffs... Kelsey could very well stand alone and at worst be an essential equal to the best there has ever been on the biggest and brightest of stages. And to me, it's time to call Kelsey what he is, a top five tight end and soon to be top three tight end of all time. What are your thoughts, Gat? Absolutely. And the numbers uh, are something that I did not have the mental capacity to crunch. But I'm glad you did because not only does this like cement that, hey, Kittle's great. That's nice. Uh, remember the Super Bowl? Okay, cool. Um <laughs> And I will never stop talking shit to 49ers fans. They're so annoying. They're so washed up. And all they freaking care about, Joe Montana, well, we had him too. And now we've got better. So suck it. Like, you guys want to talk about the East Coast, West Coast. What about the Midwest? You know, we do we do nothing but sports, right? Like we, we can't go outside all the time. We don't have a lot going on. There's no lake or ocean or whatever to get distracted by. There's Ozarks, but gross. Um, it, there's just not a lot here. We are a sports and... A town, like the college basketball here is insane. There's no reason why a young athlete wouldn't want to be here. You, you can fly to Miami. You can fly to L.A. Well, Kayla flew to L.A. Um, <laughs> that's the only thing that Travis Kelsey's probably not going to be in the Hall of Fame for is you dropped. I, I'm still mad about it. Okay, I know that Trev's not here to back me up on this one, but it's just it's so much. So that's the only L that I think Travis Kelsey has ever had to take as a chief. Yeah, He's I, done think, so I think well. since at least since he threw the his own towel at the ref as a flag, oh, and, and then the jerk against off the Jaguars, thing yeah, was the greatest of all. That time. was pretty amazing too. I, I don't even go if I call that an L, more like a W if you want to be, yeah, the, you know, because that, that was pretty amazing. That but. was amazing. So it's like I, I see these people try to argue about Gronk, about Kittle, about. I think what Travis Kelsey's done is step out of the shadow of Tony Gonzalez, and he's made his own history, so he doesn't have to do that shit anymore. You know, I actually 100% agree with that, because I don't know, I don't think Travis is ever going to statistically giant Tony in that regard. I don't Mm -hmm. think he's ever going to be superior. I think Tony's numbers are going to stand for a very long time. There's 88... And 87. Yes, I 100% agree. I think what separates, though, Travis Kelsey is the is the playoffs. Yeah. Because he's going to, and, and granted, he's going to get more opportunity than Tony did because uh, Tony played on some really bad Chiefs teams, and that Falcons team was good but not great when he went there and he won this one playoff game. Yeah. Um, but th- you can't knock Kelsey for that, though, because in the same breath, I do believe that Tony Gonzalez had a lot more targets than Travis Kelsey ever will get as a Chief because of the fact that – he went from a conservative quarterback that checks down everything to a quarterback that had a plethora of weapons in Patrick Mahomes. Travis is never going to be the guy that's getting himself 13, 14, 15 targets a night mm-hmm. because you have too many weapons to work with. And Andy Reid likes to spread the ball out. So Kelsey may never get the regular season numbers, 
But he's already done things in the playoffs that Tony Gonzalez can only dream of. And I think that's what's going to ultimately separate him. Plus of the fact, let's be honest for just a second. I think that Tony Gonzalez was the better blocker. I think he was he had better hands. I'm not going to debate that stuff. What Travis has over him and Tony Gonzalez is the fact that he runs routes like a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And there is value to that as a 6'6", 240-pound man. When you can run routes like a DeAndre Hopkins as smooth as you can and twist those hips and move the way you do and have the footwork that Travis does, you can't put a price tag on that. And in some instances, you can actually make a case that that's more valuable than having a tight end that can block as well as Tony Gonzalez did and even have the hands that he did. Because to be honest with you, as great as Larry Fitzgerald is, I think he has maybe the greatest hands we've ever seen in NFL history. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Randy Moss over Larry Fitzgerald. Okay. I'm taking. Tor- I'm even going to take Terrell Owens over Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. And it's not because I don't think Larry Fitzgerald has the surest hands. It's the fact that those guys had something that Larry doesn't. Unforeseen, unprecedented talent. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey has talent like we've never seen at the tight end position. He like Again, you don't see tight ends that can run routes like he does. He is not, in some regards, a real tight end. He just has to play the position. Exactly, and that's what I think is versatile about what he's doing to the tight end game. And we, I do have to address, there's some really sad Patriots fans that I think they're like really upset. Either Patriots fans or just like trolls in general. Appreciate you, Donnie, for defending us tonight. <laughs> Not that we really need it. Uh, it's just entertaining because they're saying things along one Super Bowl in 50 years, and now all of a sudden you're going to have a dynasty. Well, the problem is, Haley, is that you don't understand that our entire organization has changed from the ground up. From when Andy Reid walked into that building, it's, it's all changed. And what's changed is our mentality. Clark Hunt... When you have, when you're the kid of a rich person, right? You grow up used to a certain lifestyle. I don't think Clark Hunt's founder suite uh, is anything like close to humble, you know. <laughs> and I, that's not stuff that like Lamar was really flashy and all that. Clark and his family are the face of this franchise, and they hold themselves to higher standard. We felt what it's like to win. We know we can win, and. We're capable of doing it, and we have the GM capable of making the deals so we continue, continue to have our team together, and all of our weapons are doing nothing but getting better. Okay. Right. Like, you can argue all you want that this is the beginning of something, but you could call, you know, Patriots fans crazy at the beginning of their run, at mm. the beginning of their, you know, luck with Tom Brady. Everyone thought that Tom Brady was, like, the greatest thing in the world when he first started and everything, and the Patriots fans were really hyped up on him. Mahomes is ten times better, and the world knows it. And it's wild. It's wild to see people reacting to Chiefs fans this strongly because we've always been the joke. We've always been a running joke. So, yeah, you can laugh all you want about uh, about us saying that this is going to be a dynasty, and I respect your opinion. Just watch and shut the fuck up. <laughs> well said. I, I, I don't have to add to that. All I will say, just from my viewpoint, is, first of all, uh, whoever that is that's on our live stream, <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate you uh, hate commenting. I appreciate yeah. you hate watching. This is, thank you. You're helping us move the needle. We appreciate you. Um, <laughs> and, and just to give a little history lesson here, uh, believe it or not, because of the fact, yeah, let, let's address something. The Patriots had a 20-year run, and mm-hmm. you have to give them that respect. They are the greatest dynasty in team sports history. They they absolutely are. Over the Yankees, because the Yankees never had a run like this. No team has ever had a run like this. Maybe in a European soccer league, yes. And Eddie would be Eddie able to yeah. like, Unfortunately, Eddie, our guy Eddie's not here. We should call him Eddie when you need help. So we can disclose <laughs> it and say it's in American sports. But the point is, the Patriots were a dynasty to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that agnosium here. 
Two factors, though. It didn't always, it wasn't always like that. I mean, Bill Burr was a comedian, great comedian from Love Boston, was just on Colin Coward's show this week and talked about how he's not mad that Tom moved on because Tom gave them 20 great seasons. And also, Tom and, and Bilicek's era and their regime brought them out of darkness that many forget about, or some Patriots fans, new money Patriots fans, don't know about. Yep. In the 80s and 70s, they were a laughingstock in most time, at most times. Nobody wants to talk about that because of what? The success they've had of late. What have you done for me lately? So, of course, that doesn't matter anymore. That's where the Chiefs are now at. We should talk about the 90s. Wouldn't that be fun? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> the Chiefs are now that team. Yep. This happens. The Cowboys in the in the 90s. The the um, the Bears in the um, Steelers. What was it in the 80s? The Bears and... The Steelers they, have just stayed. The Steelers were in the 70s. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. <clears throat> the point is, is that almost every single generation of football has had their dynasties. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about how rare they are, no, they're not. Dynasties happen all the time. It, they don't happen for twenty years. Yeah, that's some that's some voodoo shit. That yeah, and it took some cheating. To, let's be fair, it took some cheating for those things yeah, to. Donnie obtain. said the Niners. Yeah, the Niners. The Niners yeah. yeah, the Niners. Yeah, thank you, Donnie. So every era has it. The Chiefs are this generation's dynasty, and it's. I understand it's tough to let it go because for twenty. I'm, I'm trying to imagine. If I've I been with 20 anything years, for 20 years, except yeah. myself. <laughs> if I had 20 years of great football for my team every year, uh, we're in the AFC Championship again. What do you guys want? You want to watch the game or do you, what's on? Seinfeld? Like, you know, I, I get it. I understand that it might be, you might get used to it and it's hard to let it go. You're going to have to. Yeah. You're going to have to let it go because now Tom's moved on. Bilicek has a depleted roster. I'm not saying that the Patriots can't ever win again. I'm just saying it's not right now. Yeah. How the, would Belichick even get up in the morning and be like, oh, well, I'm going to go <laughs> coach Cam Newton? <laughs> But that see, that's the like crazy fun. thing is that Cam Newton's one of their least wor- least of their worries. They have a depleted roster. We talked about this before the eight opt outs. Mm-hmm. Before they had eight players opt out, that this roster is not championship worthy. It's just how it is. You guys had a great run. Enjoy it while it lasted. Yeah. Now back to our elite tight end. Yeah, who we're building a dynasty with. I don't know if that whole thing got lost on Haley, but that's okay. No, we appreciate, I appreciate again. I appreciate the thanks comments for watching. Too. Thank mm-hmm. you for watching. We 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 definitely do that for that very reason. So feel free to continue to chime in and say whatever you want to say it and join us. Lance, it's great. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And and I'm trying to keep it as respectful as possible absolutely. because I know there are Patriots fans out there that are like, hey, it's the Chiefs' turn. It is. It just is. It's okay. It's like the cool guy in high school that never leaves. It's like, <laughs> right. it's okay to go. It's, it's like Freddie okay. Prince Jr. and she's all that. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm so, love it. Laney Boggs? No, but... Laney Boggs. <laughs> I love so, her. So, and speaking of that, the reason why the Chiefs are going to continue in a in a way of a dynasty is because of players like Travis Kelsey. And he had mentioned uh, several times to even guys like uh, James Palmer of NFL Network about how... You know, when they, when asked the question, why is it that you wanted to stay in Kansas City so badly? Mm-hmm. A lot of times you get these canned responses. The beautiful thing about Kelsey is he's not giving you those. No. He he broke he broke down about how it's it's everything about this team. He goes, the money wasn't really like my biggest concern. It was the fact that I just want to be a part of this. These guys understand, and they capped they capture. The, the, how special this truly is. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make this all into Disney, Hollywood, you know, I'm trying to make this well, all sappy. So. Yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> trying to stay away from all that, obviously. But I don't want to over, over gloss this and make, oh, everything's just so beautiful. Right. But in some regards, the, the Chiefs have created their own bubble, if you will, mm-hmm. where they've designed this utopian society where 
you're able to be who you are and be around successful people, and it makes you successful. That doesn't happen very often in the NFL. We just heard uh, Joe Montana actually make uh, his rounds on radio and mm-hmm. talked about it because him and Tom Brady are very close friends. And Joe Montana talked about something that Brady had, had discussed to him, and it was that the Patriots would come to him about things. Like, what are your thoughts on this? What do you, what do you think we should do? And Tom would tell them, and then they would never take his advice. And Giselle talked about how Tom just wants to be respected, and that blew up. This has been stemming for a long time, where Tom wasn't feeling respected. I don't know if anybody's looked around. That's the last thing that's happening out here in Kansas City. Everything Patrick Mahomes wants, the Chiefs are getting him. Mm -hmm. He wanted Clyde. They went and got Clyde. He wanted Sammy Watkins back. They went and got Sammy Watkins back. He wanted Chris Jones extended. They went and got Chris Jones extended. We don't even have to talk about Travis Kelsey. They're BFFs. Yeah. Everything that Patrick Mahomes wants, the Chiefs are giving it to him. And I just talked about this last week on the opening monologue. Andy Reid knows that Patrick Mahomes has it here, has it here, and he fucking has it here. Mm-hmm. So Andy Reid would be an idiot not to listen to what his quarterback wants. And un- the Belichick era was amazing. Mm-hmm. But this is why these very reasons are why I think the Reid and Mahomes era could be the greater one. I truly do. I do too. So you're 100% right because when you operate from a place of fear, you don't get the same type of environment that we have. We're operating from a place of love, respect. Like Andy Reid loves Mahomes. And I know that Belichick loves Brady, but it's different. Like you get embraced on the sidelines. You do show emotion. You are allowed to do that. You're allowed to be whoever whoever you want. Um, And I just wonder a lot of... What ifs? I'm starting to sound like Donnie Couch with these hypotheticals, which, by the way, he killed it in the Monday mailbag. I will just say that. Um, but, you know, seeing these people not really understand that, like, where we came as an organization from the ground up with this whole rebuild, it's just now starting to take shape. And the vision that Andy Reid had when he was here in 2013, he's like, all right, let's get to work. And he did. There's the, but like Belichick and him have very much similar. They just have a huge coaching tree. They speak by their, you know, by their players and the products of the people around them. So those are the type of people that are in our organization. Our organization is going to be untouchable. And that's fine. Like you can argue with it. You can say whatever. But for Brett Veach to do what he's done, he started with $177. <laughs> and now we have everyone resign and we're going to be running it back. Right. Like, what? <laughs> how is this possible? Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, even even NFL execs are scratching their heads about how the Chiefs are doing. I, I think they're like Andy does on the field where he sets original new plays and, you know, copycat plays that everybody wants to take after. What, what's your favorite one over the last like few years? Because mine's uh, Hungry Pig Right. I, okay, that I think that does take the cake, but just for argument's sake, because yeah, we have I to. <laughs> love I love the little under shovel pass. Yes, that thing was so clever. Like we've seen it before, yeah. but the way they would disguise it, the way Andy would do that, I I just loved it. And when that happened with Sherman, I yes. lost my shit. Yes, Hello, full bags. Um, <laughs> I didn't do my thirst trap today, but it will happen. Lance knows what I'm talking about. It will happen. And I'll get to it. But uh, it's wild that we're sitting here in this time, like talking about our future with the Chiefs and it's not depressing. No. Like, what? First time in our lives. Thank you. So, we're going to, thank you, yes, absolutely. So, we're going to leave that topic there, but hey, don't let it stop. If you guys want to keep talking about that in the chat, go at it. We got tons of people in there that are willing to discuss. Guys, that's what the Spoken's all about. We're going to leave that, though, on the show because we're going to get to the Monday mailbag. So, when we get back, we're going to get to what you guys are wanting to discuss. We'll get back to that after this.
Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four, I believe this is actually. Yes, I am your host, Lance Twoodle, here inside the KCPN studios. Just me and Gat tonight. Uh, the fellows are gone. No Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo. No Mr. Stretch Armstrong over here. Uh, but we did have our guy, Reese Holiday, uh, Mr. TMC Vision. you got to yeah. follow him on Twitter. He's cool. The elite, yes, the elite media guys. you got to follow these. I'm telling you, man. Like, I'm so glad I linked up with Reese just a couple of months ago. And you stumbled um, into his yard, or did you just run into it? He's crazy as it sounds. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, yes. <laughs> in a, exactly in a weird way, that's kind of how it went. I, I won't release... All the confidential right, details exactly. of how our friendship began, but it's there, man. He's a great dude, and uh, I really appreciated him taking the time. I, I mean, that, that flew by. I, I wanted to keep talking. I was like, he's not going to be here the whole time? <laughs> right. Back. He's a busy man, and I totally yeah. get it. I respect it. I'm just glad he, he uh, you know, cut a little piece of time for us, man. He's a busy guy. Like I said, he's got basketball to attend to. He's got his little baby girl, and um, it meant a lot to have yeah. him out here on a Friday night, and he's always welcome. And his his entire crew is always welcome. They and can always the come thing, in here. Like, what they're doing is grassroots media. And Absolutely. It's, and it's incredible to see people here in Kansas City uh, be connected to that kind of stuff. That's our people because that's what we are here. So, yep. um, But we need to, speaking of our people, yeah. let's get to our people in the Monday mailbag. What's Hell going yeah. on in the Monday mailbag tonight, Gat? We got to start off with Donnie Couch because he upped his question game Uh-oh. significantly. I'm going to make sure that my mic is that's actually on something. this time. Uh, last week, I did not have my mic on at all, and it was just like garbled when I, t- uh, when I jumped in. But hey, guys, and the two backbones of the show, Lance and Eddie, Trevor's just there. <laughs> Damn so, it, why wasn't Trevor I know. Like I was like, you're throwing shade, and you don't even know that he's not going to be there. <laughs> Poor Trev's like, I'm homesick. Be nice to me. Uh, that man never misses a day of anything. So for him not to be here it has to be pretty significant. Um, and so I'm clearly not here. But could you guys rank the top 10 centers in NBA history? And I hope this doesn't get heated. Oh, God. So it's just you, homie, because you got all that. I'm I'm not NBA savvy. Mm. Okay. Well, because of the fact that I don't have anybody to debate, it's not going to be as fun. <laughs> I'm so just going to agree with you we might, everything. Yeah, we might have to yeah. hold off. We might have to hold off for yeah, another week. Yeah, that's a good question that for the really guys. That is a really good question. I love that. Because I feel like Eddie's going to get real heated about that. And it's very topical because of, you know, the playoffs starting and everything. Um, in t- Top 10. It's going to be tough for me to give you 10. I'm going to give you at least five. Uh, I think the most underrated center of all time is uh, David Robinson. He was – the unfortunate thing for him is he was in between, like, Kareem – and then he was, you know, Shaq was taking over, and and David Robinson kind of got overlooked, and he wasn't flashy. He was very militant, by the book – Kind of boring, which you fit the Spurs system perfectly. Right, uh, super underrated guy. He's in my top ten for sure. Uh, if you go look at his numbers, it's staggering. And he led the Spurs to their first uh, championship when Tim Duncan was just a rookie, I believe. Actually, rookie or second year. Um, and then it's it's tough to put Tim Duncan in there because I don't know if he was ever designated as a power forward or center. I'm going to say he was a center because I think he played the majority of his career there. Tim Duncan is without question yeah. not only one of the greatest centers, but one of the greatest players of all time. In fact, I think he's the greatest player of his generation. And that includes Kobe Bryant in his generation. Ooh. I'm going to put Tim Duncan in that in that category as well. Shaquille O'Neal, without question, yeah, um, the most dominant force we've ever seen at the at the center position. He literally put that butt back on you. There's nothing you can do, and I'm talking about anybody in the history of the NBA. No one could stop Shaquille O'Neal from getting to that bucket if he wanted to. The only downfall for Shaq was couldn't shoot free throws for shit. So <laughs> that's that's his downfall. But without question, one of the five, probably gr- three greatest centers of all time. 
Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the most dominant forces statistically we've ever seen at those positions. Uh, there was a season Wilt Chamberlain averaged 55 and 25. God. And here's a crazy stat of Wilt Chamberlain's career. Never fouled out of a game. Never really? played over 20 seasons in the NBA. Never fouled out of a game. How is that possible? I don't know, but it never happened. I swear to you, you can look this it's up. It's all that sex. <laughs> it must be. Clearly. Dude, dude was laying him out. That's all I know. And he never laid him out on the on the field, on the court. Actually, so. <laughs> Somebody did a breakdown of like how many people you'd have to have sex with to have as many as much sex as he claimed he did. And yeah. was like... They said his body count was over like 10,000. Yeah, and yeah. you'd have to be having sex with like four new people a day. And I'm like, yeah. you have a... He made Gene Simmons blush. Yeah, like, like you have a problem, sir. Yeah. <laughs> that might be why you could have done better on the court. <laughs> Uh, no, I love that dude. It's so funny to me to see like the center question because like Shaq, I'm sitting there like we just know like the younger generation knows Shaq as this like goofy like pizza franchise owner that says funny things on the TV and he's gigantic, but like yeah, he was a force to be reckoned with. And watching him get so emotional with with Kobe, that was rough. Yeah, that was really rough. And and seeing a different side of him, and I think those guys are all so close that yeah. It's hard to rank them. It really and, is. So and, it'll be funny to hear you guys. And I'm talk glad about Donnie. It. I'm glad Donnie asked about the centers in particular because it's not only a dying breed, but as as the NBA grows to more and more of a positionless sport, I feel mm-hmm. like you can appreciate those guys of the past even more because the league back then was ran through the centers. It was mm-hmm. always in and out, in into out, work into out. Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird they changed that forever. Like that changed it forever. Because I remember when Michael got dra- – they showed it in the last dance. When Michael got drafted in 1984, you remember who went above him, the two guys, mm-hmm. Hakeem Olajuwon and Sam Bowie. And the reason why Sam Bowie went up – or uh, Hakeem Olajuwon went above Michael is because the Rockets already had Clyde Drexler. Yep. That's how crazy, like, they used to think back then. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, oh, we're pairing up Clyde Drexler and MJ. Yep. Back then you're like, oh, we only have – we already have one guard. It's – it was an ego thing, thought. too. And like when I'm sitting there, like, how the fuck could you not talk to Kobe? That was your teammate. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> right. It was such an ego-driven sport because they literally were superstars. And it was before every single person on the team was a superstar because of social media. It yeah. was You had these people that were just absolute units of players that could command that kind of stuff. Like what we were talking about with Tom Brady and uh, Mahomes. When they talk, people listen. And so... If those guys don't want somebody encroaching on their legacy or whatever, they're not going to get drafted. Right. So that's that's wild that you do position wise like that. Um, speaking of drafted, Donnie has another co- uh, Donnie has another couch. <laughs> Donnie has another question about getting Kumar Rocket, one of the best pitching prospects to ever come out in the MLB draft. Who do you think is going to be the recipient of that team or that man? Oh man. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> the Marlins did everything they could to fuck up their season. So yeah, they, a little bit. <laughs> even little though bit. they had a decent record uh, as of late, man, I, I, it's that's tough to say. Uh, I would I would imagine that. It, it, it's going to have to be a a, a a bottom dweller type of team, maybe like a White Sox. Yeah. Uh, the Tigers have been surprising. I thought they were going to be a horrible team this year. They've been decently surprising. I would like to see him go to a good. I want to see Mike Trout have a pitching staff. Okay. I wish the Angels could get the, get him a pitching staff. So if this kid, I'm going to be honest, I don't know anything about him. I've heard the name, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I've never watched film on him. Uh, I'm going to take Donnie's word for it that he's a stud. Um, I, I'm going to say Angels. I hope the Angels find a way to get that him. That would be nice. He does need some relief out there. It's getting kind of lonely out it's there bad. for Trout. It's a wasted career. Uh, sticking to the baseball a little bit, are you surprised with how the Royal season started out this year with the bullpen being good and the batting being bad? No, damn it, because I picked the Royals to make the playoffs. <laughs> 
I was the you only did. one. I picked the Royals. So if anybody shouldn't be shocked, it should be my ass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a, I actually am pretty shocked that, that they swept the Twins. Like they swept, they swept the Twins. What was this last week? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see that. That was coming. a good weekend. That was a that good was great weekend. weekend. Solaire hit two bombs. Like uh, Salvi was getting across a couple. Like it was, it was a feel good type of weekend for for Royals fans for sure. Um, this is gonna be an up and down team though. I mean, it, they're young. This is a weird season. They're kind of in between everything. You don't really know what their image is yet. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's in some in most regards, it was definitely surprising. The, uh, I mean, basically, the baseball season has been up and down, even though it's been very short. But I kind of like it like this. Yeah. I kind of like a shorter baseball season. Absolutely. 162 is too much. It's way too much. Like, who has time to watch all that? Like, what? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Billy Hodge, unfortunately, Trevor's not here tonight, but he wants to know if Willie Gay Jr. uh, has the potential to be the next Derek Johnson. Absolutely. Absolutely. for Trevor, but I would love to And do I know that. Trevor, I, I don't want to speak for Trevor, but I kind of will. I know Trevor <laughs> I know Trevor would say yes because DJ before Patrick Mahomes was my favorite chief. And so I idolized him. I watched his every move and I saw the reason why I think Willie Gay could not only be DJ but better is because of the fact that DJ had such a slow start to his career. His first two or three seasons, he was not the player we knew DJ to be. Now, that wasn't all his fault. I think because Todd Haley was just a terrible head coach and in a lot of ways um, kind of stunted DJ's growth, a growth. In fact, I think he benched him for a lot of, for a lot of the, mm-hmm. I think it was the 2009 season. Actually, I think Willie Gay is going to be one of those guys that day one shows he's like a Luke Keekley. He's a, he's a, he's a Bobby Wagner. I, I think he's one of those special linebackers. They were talking about, cause Pat, Patrick queen was the toast of the town mm-hmm. in this draft. Everybody talked about Patrick queen. And I loved Patrick queen yeah. out of LSU. Willie Gay had better metrics mm-hmm. in the draft. They were talking. I think about, it was he was live better... when we were doing that show. Yes. When we were talking about it, and you're like, "Oh, okay." Yes, and and everybody I trust that knows talent in the NFL would not stop. They wouldn't shut the hell up about the Chiefs getting him. He is the perfect replacement in everything the Chiefs needed. So yes, absolutely. I think his I, honestly, I think his floor is DJ. I, and that isn't disrespectful to DJ. Right. I don't think That's it is praise at all. for Willie Gay. Yeah. I think I think I think this kid, his ceiling is Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley status. I really do. I really believe he's gonna be that good. Yeah. I, I I think the last time I saw Derek Johnson in public was at this thing called Pagan Swig. It was a bourbon and bacon festival Ooh. downtown. It was pouring down rain and I like didn't look up and like pay attention to anything. I had a bunch of these coins left over and I went over to the table and I dropped them all off on the table and I was like, Hey guys, I can't use these. So you guys feel free to, and I'm like giving Derek Johnson's family a bunch of like free drink coins. And they're like, <laughs> thanks. And they like, like probably have their own, but I was just like, okay, bye. And I just like looked up and I'm like, Oh, it's DJ. And he's like, Hey, how are you? I was like, great. What the fuck did I just do? So it's very uncomfortable, but that's my story. About Derek was, he, Johnson. Uh, was he DJing the event? Oh God. Was it DJ? Your DJ puns are so much worse when no one, <laughs> else is here because they're just directly aimed at me and i'm like oh, and you great. can't do anything about it. you uh, can't like pass like, it off uh, to anybody else why is no one else <laughs> mad about this like come on guys help me here i have stockholm syndrome i'm supposed to be laughing and i can't i uh, billy hodge has some more good questions um but donnie's was really this was one that i really like just i like, love talking shit about the rams and how they could have been the chiefs but they're not um, how do you respond to people across the league saying the Chiefs cap situation is like the Rams in 2018? Simple. Uh, the difference between what the Rams and the Chiefs did is the Chiefs locked up champions. The Chiefs locked up players that have proven it at the grandest of stages. 
I don't blame the Rams for taking the approach they did. In fact, I loved it. I thought it was awesome because they took risks. And they're in the business of risks. They have a young, hungry, motivated, driven head coach in Sean McVay. They knew that with Jared Goff, with as limited as his ass is, they had to build him a stud caliber roster. And they did. And it almost worked. Almost. They got to the Super Bowl. Now, they shit their pants. It's completely. Completely without a diaper. They went all over the place. But they did it. They absolutely did it. They got to the dance. Mm-hmm. They just got outmastered by the master. That's what happened. Yeah. So the difference is, the only true difference is the Chiefs locked up guys that got it done. And that's why it makes more sense. And that's why it looks, that's why they're not, that's why the Chiefs aren't getting criticized about this. It mm-hmm. Had the Chiefs lost to the 49ers and then did all this stuff in the offseason, I would agree with everything they do, but there would be this criticism of, well, I don't know. Can these guys get it done? You're putting a lot of money. Definition of insanity is doing something constantly and not, yeah, and expecting a different outcome. Are the Chiefs putting too much stock in guys that couldn't get it done? That's not the narrative. They got it done. So Mm -hmm. that's the only true difference. And and, and we got to keep it as simple as possible because there really isn't a lot of other differences in between. You spend a ton of money on veterans in a league that you don't want to spend a ton of money on veterans. So. And our coach can reach the top shelf of the. <laughs> he doesn't have to there. wear khakis. Yeah, he doesn't have to wear khakis. No, he, he doesn't have a handler yeah. holding him back like a little fucking kid on a leash. You, you know those kids at the zoo that yes. run off? That's what it reminded me of. If you close your eyes. Get back, get back. If you close your eyes, he sounds like a Gruden. He does. I tell you what. I God used to have a huge it. thing for him, and I then I realized that it's because he looks kinda, like this other guy, and I'm like, oh. He, okay. got, a, he got a little too Seacresty for me. He you know? did, he did, yeah. and then he got this like super hot girlfriend. I'm like, damn it, I have absolutely no chance whatsoever, <laughs> so guess I'll just save my love for Andy Reid. Save the, tra- save the yeah. thirst traps for yeah. somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thirst traps that Kelsey's getting, I'm sure, is enough for everyone. Oh, oh, can yeah. only imagine. Uh, oh. Corey Alston says, "What? who do you think gets more t- uh, touchdowns this year, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, or Demarcus Robinson? Oh, see, Clyde, by far. Uh, DeMarcus, he's going to have one of those games where you're like, did he just really get three touchdowns? Yeah, like, That's what he does. He does. <laughs> I'm like, why is this but man? Then that's it. Like, yeah. That's what you'll get for the rest of the season. Like, I think he gets put him the on Raiders. your fantasy team and then immediately yeah. drop him. Like, <laughs> I think it's the Raiders. He had three, or was it two or three touchdowns yeah. against the Raiders in Oakland. And then he had one touchdown against the Ravens, I want to say. And after that, there was like, it was nothing. So, I... Clyde is going to get so many touches this season, especially now that Damian's gone, and and I, and the fact that Andy Reid has such a fetish for running backs that can catch out of the backfield. I, I would be shocked if Clyde not only has more touchdowns, doesn't have more touchdowns than Demarcus, but two or three times as many touchdowns mm-hmm. as, as Demarcus Robinson, because Demarcus is fifth, sixth passing option. Ceh is going to be the running back one, so it, it, it's clear. As yeah, that is kind of nice. He's coming into a situation that we're ready for absolutely running back help. He's not walking into a situation where he's got to carry the offense at all. Right? Uh, yeah. Um, K pass ten plus sacks or Hardman ten plus receiving touchdowns, not total touchdowns. If you had to bet your pinky toe on it, who you got? My pinky toes are ugly, so they're not really going to scare me to lose them. But I'm going to put my full-fledged – I love K-Pass, and I think he's done an incredible job. But 10 sacks is a lot for anybody, let alone a guy that is still working his way into the fold of being a good NFL player. I'm going to comfortably give this one to McColl. Uh The reason why is because we saw McColl have 24 receptions last season, and six of them were touchdowns. Mm-hmm. If you doubled his receptions to 48, that's 12 touchdowns. Yeah. And I don't think it's out of the possibility that he gets 48 receptions this year. Now, I don't think he's going to get 12, 
But could I see him get 9 to 10 touchdowns? Yes, absolutely. And the beautiful thing is he gets special teams touches. And he has breakaway highlight reel speed. Mm-hmm. He's not as fast as Tyreek, but yeah, he's there. Yeah, we all knew that. I mean, he's that, there. That was impressive, though. I absolutely. Think. Um, if the Chiefs, this is also by Brian Herbert, if the Chiefs go back-to-back and our D is top 10 overall in the league, who gets a head coaching spot first next year, Spags or Bienemy? I say 60-40 Bienemy, but closer to 50-50. Last year was 100% Bienemy, though. And then this hashtag, 2020 snag the Spags. Ooh. 2021. Uh, although I love the I love the catchy phrase. I mm-hmm. like that. I don't see Spagnola really wanting to be a head coach again. I think he's so comfortable now mm-hmm. because he was out of the league for a full year. He tried the head coaching gig. I think some guys in the league are meant to be coordinators. They don't have that factor about them. Uh, you look at Wade Phillips. One of the best defensive coordinators oh. of all time. Yeah. Horrible head coach. Horrible. Romeo Cornell. Horrible head coach, Horrible head but coach. an awesome DC. Some of these guys okay. are just meant. Yeah, they're just meant to be a supporter. There can only be thirty-two head coaches. Yeah, not everybody. Not everybody's gonna be the star player. Yeah. Not everybody's Andy Reid, even though he pumps out incredible coaches. It, to me, it's ninety-nine-one. The enemy. It, yeah. it, there's, I think there's the slightest of chances at 61, 62 years old that Spagnolo is gonna say, you know what? Let me take up head coaching again. I don't see him being a Vic Fangio. I see him being, hey. I'm I'm with a team that's going to probably win three or four championships in the next five to ten years. I'm going to stick around. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, this is where I'm at. Now, Biennemi is 100% getting a job. Right. I'm sticking with it. I think Adam Gase gets his ass fired. And in 2021, Eric Biennemi is, is coaching Sam Darnold. That's where I'm sticking that's with That's a it. good take. Um, I kind of stick to the idea that Biennemi would want to stay in Kansas City along the similar reasons. I think that the job is his if Andy Reid decides to retire before Mahomes does, sure. which – Probably not at yeah. this point. Um, I really and truly think that, like you said, with the players not wanting to go elsewhere and the the people just kind of being like, hey, we'd rather stick close to home and play with these guys because it's fun. Like, yeah. we're finally having fun again. And, like, the, the Kansas City is a great place to work. Absolutely. It's a great place to live. Like, why would you want to go anywhere else? I can't see it. But I can see with 2020s, uh, basically the attitude and the message that we're getting in 2020 is go where you're appreciated um, stay where you're appreciated, and if you don't feel like the energy's right, you move on. Yeah. And so it's just like you kind of have to find your people and your group, and I think that the enemy's found kind of home here. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does go uh, off and be a head coach, but I think he's kind of waiting just yeah. to, like, see what happens, fold out. If we go back-to-back Super Bowls, like, that's freaking insane. Oh, yeah. That would be freaking insane. Get the parade ready. Socially distance, of course. Uh, speaking of parades, Donnie had a great question here. Um, could you see the Chiefs using more trick plays this year, like Rose Bowl, Wright Parade, in the regular season, or would they still keep them until the big games? There's, I, I feel like Andy's always got like this list of, of plays. Because could you imagine those, his playbook? Oh my god! And, and and that Super Bowl, like that play he ran was from like 1965, uh-huh. and his, I think his uncle or somebody was on that team. Like uh-huh. there's a deep rooted history. Andy is a scholar. He knows this shit. So so. I think it's both. I think that he's going to have his bag of tricks for regular season games and, and scenarios. And then when the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl, we're going to see a whole other list of those types of plays that no one saw coming, including us as Chiefs fans. Mm-hmm. No one saw them do a little oom-bop and turn around, spin off, and have a goal line play like that. No one saw that. I knew it. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know what's like, no, oh, finally. No one saw the hungry pig or whatever yeah. that play was called. God. 
No one saw that. That hungry, I can't get. That's over like it. our sixty-five toss power trap. You know oh. what I mean? That's like our modernized version of that. That was artwork. Yeah. Like I just, I could not imagine anything better. And then he just keeps coming up with better. <laughs> um, for some reason, though, with Andy Reid, I just, I, I would pay any amount of money to hang out with him for a day and just watch his routine and watch what he does because you know at some point he's in a library. He's like pulling shit out of film library or out of like actual absolutely. Li- he, I, like I remember at eight ten, uh, Seren Petro had like literally shelves of legal pads, like you have legal pads of all the show notes he's ever done, like stuff like that. I feel like that's Andy Reid. Like he's got somewhere, but it's like in a bunker somewhere that nobody has access to, especially not Bill Belichick. And it's like this like mystery thing, you know. It's like in the Water Boy with that golden playbook, and it's just a notebook, but that's the playbook, you know. I could definitely see that being a thing. All right, so with that and me going off and wanting to hang no, out I with Andy Reid, uh, let's see. We've got another one from Brian. Um, is Damian Lillard in the top seven overall in the NBA? If not, who's who's the seven that are better? Harden, Giannis, LBJ, KD, Dame, Steph, and AD are mine. Luca gets honorable mention. Kid's a stud. Yeah, I think uh, I think Luca is actually the better player overall. I think he has more to his game and to his repertoire than even Damian Lillard. But here's the thing: I feel like ranking Damian Lillard right now is just sheer disrespect. Period. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to put him my number one because he's not. But no one is playing better basketball than Damian Lillard right now. So it's hard for me to sit here and adequately rank him because the bubble is so much different than the regular season. Damian Lillard has always been a baller, and I have always admired Damian Lillard. His problem, like Reese did state earlier, he runs out of gas. And it's because he puts a lot on his on himself. He he has this loyalty factor to him where he doesn't want to leave Portland. And I get it. Yeah. But like I was talking to Earl Watson earlier today, former NBA player and head coach. I was talking to him about this because he posted on his Facebook about, about Damian Lillard and his, his mentality. And I love his mentality. But his mentality comes with a cost. And mm-hmm. oftentimes it's no rings. And that's the that's the downside with Damian Lillard is I feel like he's going to... And I'm not trying to avoid the question here. Oh, no. I'm just adding to it. I feel like Damian Lillard is putting himself in a place where he's going to be more of an Allen Iverson type than a LeBron James type where you have multiple championships. Yeah, like you're great. You're a Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a Charles Barkley. Everybody knows you're great, but you couldn't get the, get the, 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 the ring. And that's the part that sucks for guys like him because he deserves one. Is he in my top 10? God, yes. Yeah. Is he probably my seventh? Yeah. If I broke it down, yeah. like if I'm going off of just because KD and Kyrie and all those guys haven't played in over a year, or at least Kevin Durant hasn't. Kevin Durant's a better player. LeBron James is the better player. Uh, outside of like Luca and 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 James Harden and Russ, there's nobody in this league better than Damian Lillard. It's just that he plays in a smaller market mm-hmm. on a team that did get to the Western Conference last year, but got swept. Outside of that, they haven't done a lot. It, that's why Damian doesn't get the recognition he did, he deserves. But he does these things where he'll go off for 61 points, then 51 points, then 42 points, and 12 assists. And you're like, man, why doesn't this guy get enough recognition? Mm-hmm. It's for those reasons. Yeah. And so he, without question, though, is one of the 8 to 10 best players in this league, and it's not even fair to even like question that. For sure. And I think that you had a pretty solid list there to start out with, Brian, so you're good. Uh, let's go to hockey. 
Every like hockey's been on TV nonstop. Like these games have been insane. Yep. Um, who do you think is winning the Stanley Cup? This I have year? no idea. Steven York is, I believe, a Predators <laughs> fan. So I think I'll just say Predators. I'm gonna go with York then. York, yeah, you yeah. tell me. How about we reverse yeah. Why this? Don't you tell You're us. You're on the Monday mailbag. We're tired now. of working so hard. You don't. You, you look. NHL is not what I follow. Yeah. Just like we have Eddie giving us soccer uh, updates. For real. For real. My my tiny little brain can't possess all of that stuff. Right. So I'm going to be real with you guys and tell you, I have no fucking clue who's winning the NHL, the Stanley Cup. Is it, is it still the Stanley Cup? Yep, sure okay. is. <laughs> so you tell me, Stephen York, if you're in the chat right now, you let me know who's winning the NHL Stanley Cup because I have no idea. Donnie's got the pick, blues, and I just can't support anything St. Louis. So Look, absolutely man, they not. had they had one of the craziest, unpredictable seasons of all time last year. You went from what were they a below five hundred team mm-hmm. to making it into the playoffs, and then I think went seven games in the in the final and won the Stanley Cup. I, I we've never seen anything like that before. It was unreal. Like you got to give them the props. I just I don't know if they can recreate that magic. That yeah, much I do. Know. That'd be difficult. Oh, looks like we got through all the questions. We didn't have to cut out any because of. Uh, oh wait. Oh here we go. Billy Hodge had one more. Let's hear it. Which Chiefs player would you like to see get extension, and which would you? Not like to see getting attention. Yes, I'm so glad Billy asked this question. See, this is Billy is just your burner account that you just ask questions (laughs) through because we love Billy's questions. (laughs) That's fine. Like Derek Carr has that burner account they got outed this week. Jade Ro- Royce. Jace Frost. Jace Frost. It yes. was so uncomfortable. Our guy, Real Bird Lawyer, has been burning him all oh, week. Oh, my God. It was awesome. amazing. And, and, and it's him. It's, I don't care it anybody says. Who the fuck would send a DM saying that it wasn't? Like, oh, this is definitely not Derek Carr. Okay, Derek. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's no way in hell. Anyway, yes. Back to so Billy account. Hodge is my, what's his name? Jade Troist or? Jace Frost. Jace Frost. <laughs> Crisscross applesauce. That's, exactly. Billy's Billy's that guy for me, so I appreciate that. Uh, no, I love this question because I actually was wanting to talk about this. Um, it is the most common sense, slam dunk, no shit extension. Mitchell Schwartz. You have to mm-hmm. get this guy locked up. I know he's 30, but he's not. I think he's missed one snap in the last seven, eight seasons. Like, we've talked about it already. Mitchell Schwartz is the best right tackle in the NFL. And I know that Eric Fisher's contract's coming up, and we've talked about that on this show before, but I think before we even started doing live stream mm-hmm. of who we'd rather see long-term in Kansas City. Without question, it's Mitchell Schwartz. I know Eric Fisher plays the more important position as the blindside defender, but Mitchell Schwartz is all-time great. If you can lock this guy, I know he's got two years left on his deal. You can give him another three or four years and let him finish his career in Kansas City and be the Willie Rofe of this generation of the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. How are we going wrong here? Willie Rove, man. I loved Willie. I know he played on the left side, but regardless, he's an yeah. all-time great. No, he's he an all-time great. Uh, he worked out at my gym when I was a kid, so he would like be randomly spotting my dad, and I'd be like, what in the <laughs> hell? It was just, it was so weird, but he was the nicest guy, loved Kansas City, like big teddy bear dude, <clears throat> and yeah, I can completely see that. And Mitchell Schwartz's wife has like number one Instagram game of all time, so like <laughs> we need these people staying here in Kansas City. He used to forever. use uh, Casey Beardco products, too, which oh, I'm hell yeah. very proud That's of. He used it. to shiv- give us shout-outs. Um, I will give you a funny Willie Rove story real okay, quick. Okay, absolutely. So in I think it was 04, I was flying back from uh, uh, Knott's Berry Farm. went to Knott's Berry Farm to hang out with some friends in Orange County. And I was flying back to Kansas City, and this humongous dude was on the plane. And I'm like, God, I know this dude. And he sits right next to me. Of course. It's Willie Rove. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm so nervous. I'm like a 14-year-old kid at this time. I, I, I'm like, back then I was actually a nervous person. Yeah. <laughs> and I get off the plane. I'm like, man, I missed my opportunity. I'm never going to talk to him again. 
and I'm at the baggage claim area, and six foot five, 290, 300 pound Willie Rofe standing right next to me, towering my five foot nine ass. Aww. And I look at him like, all right, man, I'm talking to you. What's up, Willie? Hey, man, he's being super cool. You can tell he's hurting, like, you know, it's off season and everything, so he's probably still, you know, licking that his man wounds. Could barely walk. Oh, my God, his legs are so tiny, On too. Tuesdays it's crazy. When he'd come in, it's like, yeah, like is he all right? And so I talked to him because I had I had heard some stuff about the Chiefs wanting Ty Law, and I asked him, I was like, "Hey man, you, are you guys going to get Ty Law?" And of course, he's not going to tell me anything. But he goes, "This is literally what he does," and I can't get him in trouble now. No, but he goes, "That guy's in a wheelchair. He can't even walk right now." And he looked at me and he winked at me. The next day, the Chiefs signed Ty Law. So it is one of the coolest stories of my what? life. Yes. He winked at me and gave me the heads up, and the next day the Chiefs signed Ty Law. I can't, I'm not so even making cool. this up. Yes, a great story. I loved it. I was yes. One yeah, of the, always one of, tell I can't Willie Rose stories. I've never told you this story. I yeah. just need all of your stories. So we're, we're gonna have to have you on my podcast. <laughs> I'm to down. Get through that. I got yelled at, not in a mean way. Donnie, I appreciate this. I can't read. I'm blind sometimes. Uh, my last question from Donnie Couch is in a seven game series. Who are you taking the 04 Pistons or the 2011 Mavs? And I think it'd be interesting to see Dirk versus the Wallace brothers. Mm. Oh, man. Uh, look, scoring is going to be the, 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 the end-all be-all for me. Uh, the 04 Pistons were, un- were unbelievably great at defense. I think they had a streak where they didn't allow more than 75 points for like a month. Like, they were stupid great. There is nobody in the history of the NBA that can guard Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. And he proved that. He took down the Miami Heat with precise efficiency. Mm-hmm. He balled out. I think he averaged 28 and like 6 in that series. Like he played his best basketball of his career. So if you're going prime Dirk with that roster around him with, with uh, Rick Carlisle as his head coach, like no offense to Larry Brown and that, that Pistons team, but they couldn't score and keep up with Dirk Nowitzki and that team. I'm picking the I'm picking the Mavericks, and I'll respectfully go seven games. I'll okay. give them seven games. I dig that, though. I mean, the, I think Detroit in general, watching them throughout my childhood was just insane. They had so many different mega teams and super teams, and it was like all these different people. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun. They were a huge part of that uh, 90s thing, even though Jordan was obviously the best part. Oh, well, uh, yeah. No clearly. Question. Clearly. I, I think that wraps up the Monday Mailbag. You guys are awesome. Seriously, that was a great list of questions. Keep them coming, guys, each and every week on Monday. I'll post it to the group on Facebook. Give us what you got, man. Anything in the world of sports, I'm honest with you. Like I told you guys, mm-hmm. if I don't know something about the NHL, I'm just going to tell you, and I'll trust your judgment because I'm sure you're asking the question with an answer <laughs> already in mind. Right. So give me your answer. Mr. York, tell me what you got, man. Who you got winning? The, I think you said uh, Predators. I think, yeah, I was just going to agree with him. Yeah. Like, that well, seems about go right. Go with the Predators, man. Yeah. Hail to the Predators. Let's do this shit. But in the meantime, Gat and I have one more order of business to take care of. Gat, what is it called? Uh, hold, hold this L. L. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, oh my. pulsating L. <laughs> man. 
You are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold so. this L. It is time to hold this L. Each and every week, what we like to do is uh, hand out some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. Some people don't deserve them, but most of them do. And so we like to mercilessly, 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 don't ask me how to mercilessly. I don't want no mercy. <laughs> all right, we're not giving out any mercy else tonight. No. We're giving out harsh L's. Gat, do you have an L for me tonight? I do, and it's very personal and deep rooted, which is always a good L to bring yeah. out. Um, this week, my buddy James Kamala Harris, not the vice presidential candidate, uh, passed away. Um, went into the hospital. And was tested positive for COVID, but died from a heart attack and found out on Sunday night. And it was probably one of the most emotional moments I had been through because uh, 2014 in October, I believe, no, it was August, I met um, Jason King from Bleacher Report. And he was doing this story on Kamala, the Ugandan giant, and me being a wrestling fan since I was a kid. Like, I had two ways to bond with my dad, sports uh, and then wrestling. Because, I, I mean, it's entertainment. Let's yeah. be real. Um, and it was when it was WWF, WCW. Uh, I would watch old matches. like Because WWE Network now, you can watch that stuff. But like we had videotapes of this stuff oh, yeah. that I would be watching. And Kamala was always such a rogue and like interesting character that I was fascinated by him. Uh, really a lot of hardships in life. You know, he was never really given uh, the fair representation for his talent. Uh, definitely not paid, definitely not compensated the right way. He was like selling out shows at Madison Square Garden with Hulk Hogan and was making like $64,000, you know, like a year. Uh, <clears throat> he never got the fair shake and he never got the uh, help that he was promised. And I feel like anytime you get rid of someone in your life or you fire an employee or something like one that helped build your brand like that, you would think, hey, Let's do some insurance, at least at the bare minimum. We can at least give him health benefits for life, right? Because he probably sustained some injuries and mental health and everything else. Instead, they let this guy uh, go completely vanish into Sinatobia, Mississippi, uh, which is where I actually met him in Oxford, Mississippi, where Ole Miss is because he was in the hospital. But we ended up raising um, over $40,000 for Kamala's medical expenses, getting him a car, getting him just he could not use his own bathroom and as a man that was six eight formerly 380 pounds and was he lost his both of his legs to diabetes like we're talking serious health problems that are all preventable um this all could have been handled with preventable medicine and it the l absolutely has to fall on vince mcmahon um this man multi-billion dollar industry that was built on the backs of a lot of hard cheap and unfair labor um, and a lot of wrestlers, I don't think I need to explain it to a lot of people. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, you know how tormented a lot of the wrestlers were um, that left the arena because you leave your sense of family. Um, you get eaten up and chewed out. You know, it's spit out. There we go. Chewed out. Uh, you get eaten out. Eaten up. There we go. Well, I'll just leave that one to go. I'm sure they got chewed out, too. I'm sure they got chewed out. There's so many things where they were just in violent situations and with no help, no guidance. And Kamala was definitely in that situation. And uh it really makes me sad that strangers from the internet took better care of him than Vince McMahon did. So I think to make it right, you put him in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, you uh, take care of his, his lovely wife and his family for life. And you just do everything you can to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And you got to learn a lesson from that. And uh, Vince McMahon, before I get too much more emotional, I'm just going to have to go ahead and tell you to hold this L. L. And I highly recommend, just for the record here, 
that everyone uh, gets gets some time uh, this weekend to listen to Gat's newest episode on Gat Chats uh, that she just released earlier today before this show. Um, I have not personally listened to it yet. But, uh, on the yeah. ride home, obviously. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. first and thing I, you're going to no, do is like, I need to hear more. <laughs> Trust me, I'm going to listen to the English and Spanish version of it <laughs> on the way home. And I'm going to drive back towards this area and then drive home again to listen to more of it. Um, but no, in all honesty, like I, I, I know this hits home uh, for you. And we talked a little bit about it before the show tonight. Um, I would highly recommend, guys, to hear the story in its entirety as it should be told. Uh, listen to Gat uh, from her personal experiences and from what she saw uh, what she learned about this uh, as somebody that she uh, got to know very well, and uh, and it's 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 a very shitty ordeal. There's no other way of putting it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I that. hope yours is funny, man. because oh, I can't be depressed anymore this good. week. It's pretty. This good. week's been rough. So it's 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 NBA related uh, as the show has been. So I feel like we should lean into it a little bit. And it's actually about our guy Damian Lillard because um, he played the Clippers. Him and the Blazers played the Clippers a few nights ago, and. Pat Beverly has been known to be a troll and a guy that likes to instigate and start shit, and, and, and he likes to back it up, too. He's a really good defensive player. But Paul George also decided to chime in on the bench as well when Damian Lillard missed some free throws, which is very uncommon of him. I think he's a career 85% free throw shooter, which is hard for him to do. Uh, and, and the Blazers ended up losing that game to the Clippers, and they were talking that shit. What's funny about it, though, two things. One, in Damian's rookie season with the Blazers, back when Patrick Beverly was newly in the NBA after struggling to get into the NBA and played with the Rockets, one Damian Lillard sent the Rockets packing with a game-winning and series-clinching three-point shots in Portland. Pat Beverly went home and Damian advanced. A few years later, which was just last season, the Portland Trail Blazers were playing in OKC where Paul George was teamed up with Russell Westbrook, which is now his second to third team, Damian Lillard sent Paul George packing with a game-winning and series-clinching three-point shot. This time, it was Paul George, not Pat Beverly. But both of these guys thought it was not ironic that they're the ones talking the shit when Damian Lillard decides to fall short one time. Since that game and since they did that, Damian Lillard is averaging 51 points. And has been by far the clear-cut best player in the bubble. Congratulations, jackasses. You just woke up a sleeping fucking giant. This guy did not need an edge. He's an edge himself. And you just pissed him off. I hope, and it sucks because I know the Blazers are going to have to face the Clippers or the, the, the Lakers. I hope in the near future... Both Patrick Beverly and Patrick George, uh, uh, Paul George, are on the Clippers next season, and I hope the Blazers face them in the playoffs because I want to see Damian Lillard hang fifty on them every fucking night. I know it's a long ways away, and we got these playoffs to enjoy, but justice is coming, motherfuckers, and he's showing you guys. You guys been bouncing around team to team. This dude's been taking care of business in his hometown, practically. There's nothing left to say. You guys, again, have woke up a sleeping giant, and he's done nothing but put numbers up since you did it. So do me a favor, Paul George and uh, Mr. Patrick Beverly, and hold this L. Appreciate you. Greatly appreciate you. You know what I appreciate? This show and all of you guys for making it what it was. It was an absolute blast. Gat, 
you 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 came in and you made this show even better than it's ever been. We really appreciate you coming in and chiming in, and giving us your thoughts, especially when it comes to uh, Kamala and, the, and all the great things that you. I know you talked about in Gat Chats. I'd love Definitely. to hear that. I can't wait to hear it myself. Very personal. I cried. It was very. I don't cry ever because you're told in media not to have emotions about things, and I know you've been close on the show too. And so that's something that's like, I think that anytime that you're allowed to express how you feel, show how you feel, and not be afraid of doing it, it's a good day. I 100% agree. And again, thank you so much for everything you do for us here. Um, and everybody at the KCPN Network, uh, guys, we have a ton of content providers here. I mean, you guys, you guys, if there's anything in life that you're interested in, we pretty much have you covered here. So if it ain't just sports, we got people here as well. And Gat Chats, man, she's just starting to back up, and it's already been to a great start. So for our guy, Reese Holiday. And TMC Vision and the, uh, the Elite Media uh, for Trevor Twiddle and Eddie who decided to skip out on us tonight. <laughs> for Mrs. Gat, my lady, the lady that's done so much great for us. For everybody in the KCPN network, I'm Lance Twidwall signing off for episode 77 of the Spoken Podcast. Until next week, we out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the Spoken. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit. Nissan believes you deserve a car that thrills you. So we have to ask, does your car thrill you? When you hit the pedal, do you get something back? A chill in your spine. Goosebumps on your goosebumps. When you take off, do your fingers tighten around the steering wheel? Does your heart beat in your stomach and your breath catch in your chest? Does driving make you feel alive? because it should. And if your car doesn't thrill you, ours will. This is the new Nissan. At Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one-tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenni.com. Eyewear for everyone.